Right on. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Hanging out with you guys from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Proudly broadcasting live since 1927. Maybe. We don't know. But we have heard from you. Uh, and always uh, enjoy this little midweek gathering. And, of course, all of our family on KFNX and KMET. We've got Greg Ovist and Susie Sockets in studio. Welcome, welcome, people. Welcome, welcome. Good to have Susie back. Oh, hi, Pumpkin. It yeah. is good. Susie, we missed you, girl, and it just does feel like yesterday, though, it for does. sure. I want to remind the people, WrenchNation.tv, if you're new to the show, it's your first time. We know you dip in and out. We get it. Life is busy. Some of you are at home watching whatever you're watching, and some of you are working 24-7 in this economy. You can catch the show on the podcast upload, uh, Spotify, iHeart. Greg, we had a good show last week. Yeah, um, how'd it go? I'm sorry I missed it. Yeah, uh, TechForce Foundation, oh, yeah. great oh, yeah. partners of the show. Uh, they have raised millions of dollars, Susie, for scholarships. They're such a great organization. Yeah, they are. They, they are, and they've got a great cross-section of the automotive industry there front and center to support. That was show 261. Uh, as we always do, we like to just re-invite you to go back to that show, catch it in its entirety, because yeah. uh, they came out with a white paper. Wow. Women technicians solving the tech shortage. Good wow. for the women. And what do they say? Susie, as a lady, you just want to be treated fairly. <laughs> I say the best man for a job is a woman. <laughs> oh, did I go there? I went there. Yeah, but basically, you, you, you hey... Women want to be treated. So what Absolutely. they did, what they did do though, and when I say they, Dana Rappaport, of Love course her. we had, yeah, she's great. Doctor Dana Nakanya from Africa. Oh yeah, you guys, please check out that show. I mean, it's chock full of goodness. But one of the things they said, and it caught me off guard What's during that? the interview. What was it? You better make sure you're accommodating. Oh yeah, regarding your culture. Anyway, show yeah. two sixty one. Go back in time to show two fifty eight. Ed <laughs> Williman. Oh, with the Ferrari. One, that's like one of one. It's it's close to rare. it. Very rare. Very rare. It's uh, what oh, what o two five car number one six six. You raced it for years, and it's you a got, legacy. He's not it. selling it. No, go back to that that show. You got to hear that story. Yeah, Ferrari one twenty five, and of course, how he attained that car. Yeah. I guess back in the sixties, Ferraris weren't all that attractive. No, nobody wanted them. And Believe nobody wanted to work on them, but mm. now look in history, you go back in time. <laughs> hey, before we go to the news, share some weird news, catch up on some antiquity stuff going around town. I want to introduce the show topic. Supply chain is real. Some of you don't get enough toothpaste as fast as you can because it ran out of the store. I know. It's so disappointing. Everything is, uh, but in the automotive industry, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. In fact, um, it was just recently reported uh, let me get to my notes here regarding this chip shortage. To give you perspective, General Motors temporarily suspended the seat heat function on many of its vehicles. No wow. way. Why? Because of the chip yep. shortage. Wow. And we need that here in Arizona, guys. Yeah, yes, we, we need, okay, we need that here. We need the heated seats. So to help navigate this, because there is a particular position that's vital to all things supply chain, manufacturing, how we're able to supply goods, parts, and all right. that to the OEMs, and that is the program manager. Right. Think of it this way. Air flights coming in, landing, and leaving times a million for stress right. regarding a program manager. 
they're responsible for getting it done along that whole supply chain. And so we've got Dave Opsall with uh, Actify. He's uh, leading that category and speaking on the facts about the supply chain. I want to I want to spread this uh, spread this open because a lot of folks are thinking, what is going on? They're confused on the messaging. We got Russia, Ukraine. We got supply. We got demand. We got this. We got that. And so let's clarify this. A lot of you in the automotive service space, you're complaining about receiving parts. Susie, parts has been difficult at times. It can be. Maybe what we could have gotten the same day. Now we're waiting a day or two. Right. So that's all part of that supply chain uh, concern. And so Dave Opsall uh, invites you to check out Actify.com, AC. A-C-T-I-F-Y dot com. He's going to join us here in a little bit. We're going to find out what uh, what are the missteps, what are the truths, and the solutions. What are the solutions? That's the most important. I have a feeling it all goes back to technology (laughs) anyway. I wanted to dive into uh, good news, people. We all need good news behind the fuel. What you got? Gas prices are coming down, people. Are you sure? Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Yes, they are coming down. National gasoline prices are declining. From the June highs, here we are in July. Look at crude oil. That's correcting for now. As we say, this is not an economy show. We try to touch upon uh, some of the automotive related. But July has traditionally been the heaviest month for demand. Of course, AAA will speak on that. Right. And we may, I don't know, we may see a a correction in demand. I think people are tired Mm -hmm. of paying the big prices. Oh, yeah. It's old. They're going to spin it on the chicken that costs more money and have a bigger <laughs> barbecue at home. You're absolutely right. And not travel. And absolutely so right. let's see how this uh, tapers through the summer. My prediction, official, dun, dun, dun. official Wrench Nation prediction, gas will come down, people. What date and time? And I, cannot, I cannot oh, give the on. nanoseconds to that. You're predicting. Uh, there is some disagreement right now between industry analysts. Frank is saying it'll be cheaper than June. Yes, Okay, I'll um, hold you to that. June saw the national average of five dollars a gallon. Wow! Some states were getting seven dollars a gallon. Liquor sales went up in those states. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see those metrics. But take it with a grain of salt. It's a wonky world uh, right now. But I believe crude oil should start correcting. Now, why is that? As inflation. Is here. It is, it is. Feds are raising interest rates. Yep. People are going to soften their purchases. Almost like we need to. There's such it a supply demand wackiness. Mm-hmm. Bree, would you like to have gas back down to $3.20? Yeah, I might be able to afford a new ride at that price. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Susie, let's talk about some of the weird automotive news you've got shaking in the world. What is going down? Yeah, so I'm probably going to show my age here, guys. Oh, so, you're so young. Uh-oh. Do you remember the boom box? Oh, I yeah. do. Now, what we did the boom to, box do? We Woo-hoo. used to put that on our shoulders like we were Walk something. That's with right. All my 80s family. <laughs> and don't forget the rewind button. That's right. Play. Yeah, baby. <laughs> well, what if the government took it away from you? What? what? Yes. They cannot do that to us, peoples. I'm telling you. Need the music. You do need the music. Well, this is a different kind of boom box I'm talking about. So Tesla offered a boombox feature, which allowed drivers to play pre-recorded sounds and music outside of the vehicle. Comes from the front. 
And um, where is that? Like the speakers in the front? Yeah. In the like by the grill? Yeah. I, I believe it. Have you heard such a thing? I have. So the interesting thing about it is it was initially a way to increase pedestrian visibility ah, with warning signs. I like that. Yes. Because it. it's quiet. You just hear hum. You don't yes. hear nothing. Smart. Now, NHTSA. I want to hear Run DMC if you're coming <laughs> through that pedestrian walkway. Now, NHTSA did make it a mandatory in all electric and hybrids because they are so much quieter than the combustion yes. engine, right? Right. Well, of course, Tesla has to take it a step further. What did they do, whippy cushion? They add some farts to it, Frank. You were oh, right. That's what I thought. <laughs> See, listen, Elon. Elon is a master showman, a modern day yes, uh, PT Barnum, with a lot of substance. Yep. Okay, I mean, there's some technology coming out of that camp for yep. sure. But you almost would have to do that because you know it's the psychological thing, guys. Look, I'm walking through this intersection, and I'm looking at this car. Right. To check him or her right. against my pedestrian stroll. Do I have to go faster, slower? What right. are you doing right now? We know we all do that. Right. So if I heard a little music or a... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is just part of the world yeah. we live in. What about, Susie, autonomous? Oh, yeah. No one behind the wheel. Yeah. Psychologically, Crazy. how are pedestrians going to react to that? That's going to be a strange one. I mean... Do we give each other signs? Is there going to be a little pop-up? That's just yep. the psychology. Yeah. You know, our kids are laughing at us because they think we're the horse and buggy crowd. Yeah. <laughs> we're never going to own a vehicle. That's right. And we ain't <laughs> going to drive it. Right? Not even going to touch it. <laughs> Greg, what's going on in the antiquity classic car market? Anything uh, oh, well, cooking right there's now? There's all kinds of things always. You know, there's the auction going on in Meekum right now. Meekum. We love them. Big we, shout we out to Meekum. Them. We love them. But you know what? One thing that's that continues to pop up recently is I get a lot of calls from people that asked me, how can I get into the scene, the auction scene, the car scene? They want to start- Literally the scene, like they the feel- scene. Do you think as an industry, we kind of create a wall of exclusivity for yeah, some folks? I don't even think about I don't that. think it's intentional, but sometimes it happens. So I have gentlemen call me, even you know, even women, car owners, like, how can I get into these car shows or these events? And, and they want to have that camaraderie. So what I've been doing recently is sharing car show links. Sharing dates, going to Car Show Safari with Hand Tommy. Pump. Yeah. Oh, right? I love them. CarshowSafari.com. Check them out. Tommy Scalera is yeah. doing a great he has job. All these dates of all the shows nationwide. And it's like, so I'm just encouraging people that want to get out and meet people and get into these shows and these events just to go out there and do it. And it's, it's kind of an uptick right now. I've seen a lot of people asking me, how can I get into these things? So it's kind of nice to get some refreshing people that want well, to get I think involved. so. I think uh, sometimes we get numb to that. Yeah. Things, uh, do you feel that way listening? Whatever the thing you do, you're, you're good at it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're always working on your career to get better. And, yeah. and we get numb yep. to the certain level that we are at. And we don't realize that that's a good point. So yeah. on that, yeah. I show up, I'm new. You, I, or, I, or you just moved in state. Yeah. Not familiar with certain events or, you know, shops. Give the that. people your website. Uh, Gzup.com, G-E-E-Z-Z.com. And I'll definitely point you in the right direction. Can I say that? Because I think it's cool. G-E-E-Z-U-P. -E -E yeah. <laughs> you definitely have it down better than I com. If you are looking to buy, consign... Or just have a chat. Greg's your man. Greg yeah, Ovest. Greg's great. Absolutely. And uh, I, want, I want to do this uh, news report here. I'm, I'm excited about something, um, as I'm just excited about just about everything. Slow progress is, we mentioned microchips. Mm -hmm. Slow progress is being made on the delivery times. And, of course, we're going to talk to Dave Opsall, CEO of Actify, on that whole supply chain thing. It is getting a little better. 
Lead times, as reported, July 6th, averaged 27 weeks last month. 27 weeks. Okay. Compared to 27.1. It's a small bump. We'll take it. It, I think that works out to a day. Yeah. So when you're thinking about the good product, that goods or products that you, including new cars, that you are looking for, and man, I got to order my car now. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. And I don't know if we have the same bottlenecks regarding freight. I talked to a lot of over-the-road truckers, and they seem to be back to a little bit of normalcy outside of expensive diesel price. Mm -hmm. Fuel is just ridiculous. And then I don't know why... Maybe it's the supply demand, but deaf fluid oh. seems to be a rare child mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find deaf fluid is what they're saying. But yeah, that's uh, the, the delivery times for semiconductors fell by a day in June, which is a modest relief after what was, you know, this immediate post-COVID shortages that have plagued the automo- automakers uh, and other industries for that mm-hmm. matter. Uh, for a long time. So hopefully this is a good sign. I want you guys to stay tuned. Greg Ovist, Susie Sockets, and Frank, myself, man, we're honored to spend it with you and have Mr. David Opsall. Dave Opsall, he's the CEO of Active 5. We are going to dive into this supply chain. Yep. Forget the nightly news. What kind of pain is it for real for folks that have program manager type positions? How does that all work? Stay tuned. Ranch Nation. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Bolt-On Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Well, listen up. I'm talking to you about one of the premier auto parts superstores in the country, Parts Authority. One of the biggest problems that we can have in a modern-day garage is when our parts don't arrive on time or the quality of our parts are just not there. The Parts Authority, auto parts superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counterfolk, national program, quick delivery, AC Delco, Monroe, Parts Authority, auto parts superstore. If you're an installer or own a garage, you need to check Check out PartsAuthority.com. As a small business owner, we have a ton of overhead. One of those is merchant fees. To process credit cards can be expensive. I save over 75% with Card Connect Paradise. Get on to charge-it-now.com. Charge-it-now.com. Or give Dan Arndt at Card Connect Paradise a call. His team is standing by to help you out. I save over 75% in credit card merchant fees every month that's huge 480-289-6304 card connect paradise save on credit card fees merchant service fees don't have to be ungodly expensive give dan a call 480-289-6304 
MasterCard Connect Paradise. Whether you're looking for a full-service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, MailShark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. Right on, welcome back. Susie Sockets, Greg Ovis, Frank Lloyd's here hanging out with you. WrenchNation.tv, the EV supply chain. You can run Logistically, lots time. has got to come together, Susie. Must. And it's new technology. And uh, equating to that, we all know there's labor shortages. Greg, you hear about it on yep. the street all the time, not just in the automotive industry. Again, the supply demand is real wonky. Uh, I've got Dave... Upsall, who's the CEO of Actify, where much of Dave's efforts is really focused on helping struggling organizations find their way towards profitability when the challenges of this technical software along this whole line, we're talking about each channel communicating mm-hmm. to get everything streamlined. Let's bring uh, Mr. Dave Upsall on. Dave, are you there? I am. Yeah, thanks for your patience. We appreciate it. Yeah, welcome, Dave. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, you know, the, the nightly news, we hear it. Sometimes it's tongue-in-cheek, you know, we can't get our favorite toy or, <laughs> you know, the car. And then you, and you just don't know what to believe. Like, you got Russia and Ukraine over here. You got this yeah. wonky imbalance. First things first, I, I want to establish for those listening, what is a program manager? What, what are their responsibilities there? Well, the automotive industry works differently than most any other manufacturing industry. Um, Easiest way I can describe it is just to give you an example. So if I'm making bicycles, uh, if I'm the manufacturer, my sales organization will figure out that there's a new model they might be able to introduce. They'll come up with some specifications. They'll give it over to the folks in engineering who will design it. They'll, you know, decide who it is they're going to source, you know, their raw materials from and their parts. But the point of that is, is that until they ship the first product, they're in complete control of every decision. Uh, If their suppliers figure out a way they can provide those parts and products to that manufacturer uh, in a way that uh, is more effective or efficient, they get to keep the profit for that. Uh, that's that's on them. But the manufacturers in control of everything. Automotive industry globally works very differently. Uh, the OEMs do not manufacture the bulk of the content that goes into those cars. Yes, uh, That's done out through the supply chain. Uh, the contracts are fixed price. Uh, there's a committed delivery schedule. And the suppliers are often asked to provide that information, those firm commitments, in as little as two weeks from receiving the information you know, from the OEM manufacturer. They have to make their best guess at what that you know, delivery schedule is going to be, and then they take somewhere between 6 to 12 months, depending on how complex the thing is they're bidding on or that they were awarded. They then get to figure out what is it actually going to take to get it done, and can they do it for the price that they said at the margin that they said. Problem is, if there's any mistake in there, generally that comes out of the profits, comes out of the profit margin of the supplier. 
not out of the OEM. So let's talk about that right there. If I may interject, thank you. If we're talking about a mistake, which really has to do with profits, it has to do with time and so on, what are you seeing now as far as mistakes that maybe we didn't see pre-COVID as it relates to the supply chain? Well, I think that's always been there, Frank. They, ah, you know, they, okay. this, the industry has worked this way for the last you know, couple of decades, at least, if not uh, a little bit longer than that. Uh, what's happened, though, is the activity level has strained that to the point where a supplier that I was talking to a couple of weeks ago back in Detroit uh, said that uh, over half of their programs were late or otherwise behind schedule. That's, you know, unheard of. If you are behind schedule, you are going to be paying delivery penalties or you may lose that customer for future business. Uh, It's the pressure that's coming on them, and it's the program managers that have the responsibility for figuring out how to get all this to happen, since that's what you were asking me about originally. Yeah. Could we equate that sort of like a traffic, air traffic control manager, if you will, were responsible for all those logistics of keeping things timely on the tar, uh, tarmac. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another, yeah, that I, that actually isn't one I thought of. The one we usually talk about is an orchestra conductor. Yeah. He, <laughs> you he all got to no be in the same key. playing any instrument, but he's, <laughs> he's responsible for how it sounds. Yeah, there's always one rogue trombone <laughs> player, is what I say. But no, this is serious because I, I think this affects, uh, you know, if you're if you're contracting, uh, or have set a contract up and you're sitting at X amount of margin um, mm-hmm. and, and there's delays. So with that said, it's been a tough go for those in the supply chain. Absolutely. Yeah. For lots of different reasons. Um, you know, the, the, we usually talk about uh, semiconductors is what the media would like, uh, you know, to sort of highlight as the only supply chain issue out there. But you have all kinds of them. You know, you have the you know the whole raw material supply chain and the price increases that have happened there. Uh, we've heard some crazy examples I could share with you about some of that. Uh, you have the labor. Labor is another supply. Well, let's talk commodities since we're on that topic. Uh, specifically, if we can engage uh, the EV platforms, I did notice, and of course the the stock markets will bounce up and down. You never know, right? Mm-hmm. But I did notice that copper's dropping. Uh, I did notice that palladium is dropping. Talk to us about how important it is for us in the manufacturing side of things to to make sure we get good buys regarding, um, let's say, uh, all things needed regarding lithium and the EV platforms. What do you see? Well, one of the things I'm concerned about and one of the things that, uh, you know, we think uh, is going to continue to be an impact is it isn't just lithium. You have a whole source of rare earth metals that, uh, you know, is not controlled or doesn't, uh, is not accessible to the United States. Uh, there are certain commodities uh, in the uh, rare, rare earth metals that uh, 80, China owns 80% yeah. of yep. the global supply. Right. So, you know, that's going to drive new battery technology, hopefully. But uh, how long will that take? How effective is it going to be? Who knows? It's a, it's a big deal. We had uh, a few shows back, we, we dove into some of that, sort of the lifestyle life cycle of of the ev and and, and we're not going to dive into too much of that now but we did talk about you know from a to z where do we stand regarding a carbon footprint and then some of the things that we hear about regarding uh child labor and and some of this that's going on in in other countries to actually just uh, feverishly mine this uh this lithium in the water that's uh you know needed and so on of course i think we're going to work it out uh 
You had a question about federal government. I do, but I want to go back to the precious metals. The precious metals that you're... Well, when I hear precious metals, I think of catalytic converters. (laughs) Yeah, you sure do, yeah. (laughs) Well, rhodium and palladium, uh, uh, of course, Dave, you know, we we see that uh, in in the service bays, many of our shop owners at Lishan and and the technicians. Mm -hmm. We've seen an uptick in in folks stealing. Yeah. And you're like, hey, why did you just steal my radio? (laughs) Well, it's because the price of rhodium and palladium... um, is yeah. expensive. Yeah. So how can the government actually, the federal government act actually enhance and overcome some of the current challenges? Like, is that yeah. possible, Dave? Um, do, do we look to our friends in the federal government or do we just leave markets <laughs> leave markets to be? We'll figure it out on our own. Are, are, are they falling short anywhere regarding supply chain? You, you mean the folks, am I here to help you? <laughs> <laughs> Give me my taxes. <laughs> Is that their well, nickname? I, yeah, right. There's a, there's a definitely a role for them, you know, in a couple of different places. I mean, I've uh, read, and as I'm sure you guys have, that uh, there's been, you know, talk of certain, you know, commodity types being uh, put under the National Defense Act that would, uh, you know, allow the United States to uh, accumulate uh, more of a supply. Uh, part of that's just stopping the sale of some of this stuff to overseas entities. I mean, the government can certainly, you know, do some of that. I think there's other places, though, that they can uh, work to uh, sort of alleviate some of the problems that we see coming for the, for the industry. And, you know, one of those would be, if you think about the production side, I don't know how many of your listeners are aware of the fact that there's such an orchestrated ballet of the delivery of components to the assembly line when a vehicle is put together that the stuff just arrives on time. And it doesn't matter who your customer is. If you're a supplier, that all works the same way. But if you are talking about the other direction, information coming on the development side, in this program management area we were talking about, there are no standards for that at all. So every supplier has to adapt how they do business with the slight differences and sometimes big differences that every one of those OEMs have. A government can take a leadership position in there, and that would be something that would deliver a huge benefit at the industry, and you're not talking about limiting competition by, you know, shutting down uh, the sale of uh, businesses overseas or something like that. So, I mean, we can always look at regulation, and depending on what side of the fence you're on, I, I mean, you some would say too much, some would say not enough. How important is that, especially with these EV, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get off of ice. The federal government has said 2030, we want 50% of you driving. Uh, that's a huge accomplishment, considering we have 6% in California and maybe 2 3% across the country. We're going to have to move the regulation needle, uh, I, I believe, uh, and maybe... Maybe. I mentioned this last week, Dave. Could we have a cla- uh, cash for clunkers EV rebate? Oh, there you well, go. you talk about supply demand. That's really going to whack yeah, it out. There you go. Uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely we could. Yeah, regulation's got to be in order. It's got to be part of that. I mean, I think, I don't, I'm not sure how many of your listeners know this, but uh, the last uh, ICE vehicle in Norway was sold last month. The last wow. one? Last the one. The last ICE vehicle to be sold in Norway was delivered wow. last month. Don't mess with the Norwegians. I know, don't. They get it done. 
Too bad we just couldn't uh, bribe the government with some brisket and barbecue. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, we heard that's your favorite, by the way, Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it seems like they've got their act together. They they set forth. Of course, that's a uh, say what you wish. I mean, we're dealing with, a, 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 I believe, a much uh, larger uh, demographic. But kudos to, to Norway for getting that done. That is cool. Well, and your cash for clunkers idea, there's a variation of that that was part of that part of uh, one of the things that they put in place, what, over 10 years ago. Uh, so they were thinking about what it would take to move in this direction, and what they did is they didn't necessarily regulate as much as they incentivized. And, you know, that's a positive approach to giving people, you know, an, you know reason to move. Well, I, I, I honestly, I, I see this coming. I mean... Um, you know, uh, how it's going to come, what it's going to look like. There's a, there, the timing of it. I don't have that crystal ball, but I do believe if we're shooting for those demands on the consumer, uh, prices, A, have to come down, which I think they will. I think they will, yeah. despite Tesla just recently raising their prices, I think, 15%. And there's, like I said, there's a supply-demand issue. I want you folks to stay tuned and please catch uh, Mr. Dave Opsall, who's uh, CEO of Actify. You can catch him on Forbes.com. Uh, uh, Dave, talk to us about your last article real quick before we go to break. You had mentioned, kind of like the canary in the coal mine regarding supply chain, the next supply chain crisis is hiding in plain sight. Sure. What, was the, what were your thoughts there? Well, what we see happening is we talked about the criticality of the role this program manager plays. Uh, we often talk about the fact that suppliers don't ex make products, they execute programs. And given the role that that person has, there's a capacity uh, constraint. Another kind of supply is the capacity. It's not just production capacity. It's how many programs can a supplier effectively run with the staff that they have given the labor shortage situation everything else we have. What we know from the research from multiple places is the number of programs over the next three years, so the number of new model introductions, ICE, uh, EV, hybrid, all of it across the board, is ranging anywhere from 50% to 66%. So you're either going to see half, again, as much activity or more over the next three years. The industry does not have the capacity to handle that and so what that's going to do is it's going to prevent some OEMs from being able to execute the programs they want. Suppliers have a new world now. It's more competitive for them. They get choices that they didn't have before. And so that's what the article was about. Yeah, that's incredible. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about solutions. You know, here's this challenge. What can we do to help modify, which in the end, uh, for all of our Joe and Jill consumers, you want it now. You, you don't want to wait. So how do we relieve that pressure uh, on those program managers within the supply chain? I've got Dave Opsall, CEO of Actify Ranch Nation. Stay tuned. 52% of the population family are women. We love you, ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. Our charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking that 52% of these ladies out in the population Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to TechForce. The new gasoline direct injection engines, also known as GDI, are the hottest new improvement to horsepower and fuel efficiency in this century. Service professionals agree that GDI's unique power requires unique GDI maintenance. BG Products has the most current and effective GDI maintenance available in over 20,000 shops, and they back it up with a lifetime BG protection plan. Go to BGFindashop.com. That's BGFindashop.com. 
If you have a GDI engine and you want it to last, remember two more letters. BG. Now, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this. We have a benefits portion of our website, WrenchNation.tv, where we've got benefits for the Wrench Nation community, which is really protection for you, your family, your team. Your culture is important. Your team environment is important. So we're going to make it real easy for you to shop for health care, life insurance, device insurance, even pet insurance. I'm excited to share with you the benefits for the Wrench Nation community. Get on a wrenchnation.tv. We've made it real easy and simple. Your small business team deserve no less. Get on a wrenchnation.tv, check out the benefits page, and check out health insurance, life insurance, car rental, condo and home insurance. You name it, we've got your benefits covered. GetWrenchBenefits.com or wrenchnation.tv. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Right on, welcome back, WrenchNation.tv. Susie Sockets, welcome back, girl. Good to see you. Greg Ovis is in studio, and always a pleasure to spend it with you guys every week. Susie, you had a comment regarding our last segment. Yeah, so I was a little bit uh, stimulated by what you said the last car sold, um, the last, you know, gas engine sold in, in Norway. Norway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of looked it up, but yeah, they're banning gas car sales in 2025. Five years. Yeah. yeah. And then I think GM says they're going to go all EV in 35, right? So this is just, this is a movement, people. GM, Ford, and Honda pulled out of SEMA, Greg. They sure did. That's yeah. And, you know, well, that's a statement. I mean, they're they're still handling uh, and connected to uh, the educational side. They'll always be there, but there's a big movement. A lot of you are saying, you know what? Don't get rid of my big block and you don't, you don't have no, just don't care about an EV. Let's bring in uh, CEO of Actify, Dave Absol. Dave, welcome back. Thank you. Please visit Actify.com. As we discuss this, you can get on the website, A-A-C-T-I-F-Y.com. Dave, we talked about parts in the supply demand and program managers pulling their hair. What about this labor shortage? We've got a ton of, a ton of baby boomers that are exiting. They're retiring happily with Mai Tais on the beach. <laughs> what do we do? How do we handle, uh, in your realm specifically, that's got to be a big burden. How are we planning for that? Well, one of the things we've seen and one of the things we're concerned about and motivated us to, to, to really, you know, get after this space was is that um, these program managers, one of the things that is, well, probably the biggest thing for them is unlike any of the functions that you would normally see inside a supplier, so engineering, procurement, quality, production, that kind of thing, the, the program managers don't have a tool set that actually allows them to deal with this and use technology to you know, try to help them. The job basically, uh, there's a ton of independent research that will validate this that we have, but uh, if you were to look at uh, a survey of a couple hundred program managers what and, and how they spend their time, about 15% of the time that they spend in a given day is actually value added to the whole process. The rest of the time, what they're doing is they're just 
calling around and getting updates from people and then relaying that information to other people. I know it sounds crazy, but the data is, you know, unassailable here. We know that that's actually, actually what happens. So in terms of, you know, the labor shortage and what you do, you're basically asking young people who basically are, you know, digital from the day they were born, close to it anyway, coming into an environment where you're asking them to have this horribly manual, high-stress job where they have all the responsibility and no authority and they have to do it in an archaic way, uh, you're going to have a tough time finding people to bring into that. And it takes anywhere between 12 to 18 months currently to train somebody to be effective in that role. Yeah, Automotive Program Management, uh, Actify.com, essentially managing end-to-end program lifecycle. I I see you mentioned digital. I see that we have a lot of young talent uh, that would uh, maybe uh, not do too well if uh, the system's archaic. You bring a nice, smooth uh, transition in a clean digital control center. You have the APM suite. So for a lot of my automotive manufacturers. We do have them to listen to the show. It is certainly something to look at, Actify.com, which is purpose-built for the automotive industry. There's no more that, you said manual-ish, spreadsheet-ish. I know that with my team, Susie, if we if we start <laughs> spreadsheeting, we, uh, well, I don't think we could hire anybody there, Dave. <laughs> I mean, spreadsheets have their place, but one other feature I like, and, and I think even just the average driver to their vehicle, like we take, we really do take for granted the shape of the wheel or the rim and what goes behind that. You have a Spinfire Enterprise that incorporates the CAD systems, which is really important I, when in I terms of that. accessing two D and three D. So all of you driving, yeah. don't take that spare wheel in the back. <laughs> that took a lot to make happen. Dave, talk to us about the Spinfire Enterprise that you have regarding CAD. Sure. So you know the currency that goes back and forth between the OEM and its suppliers is really the definition of what is it that you want me to make for you. Uh, and some suppliers just are told by the OEM given an exact description of what that is, and that's usually represented in the form of a CAD model. Uh, the suppliers often don't have the software that, use, that was used to create that. So when the OEM designs it, they're doing it at a piece of software that the supplier may not have. Spinfire is able to ingest that and create a very accurate form of it that's very easy for the supplier to get the information they need out of it and use that then to share that information internally within the company. And that's how most of the 1,500 companies we have as customers uh, started off. Yeah, no, this is fascinating because I think what you're doing, uh, which is what we need, often where we fall apart is in the language of communication with so many folks in that wheel that not literally but our spokes our team that culture we fall apart like our friends in india uh you know there we may have a concern if we're not all looking at the same language i'll tell you what i equate it to uh and i think this was whatever greg was early 80s the federal government said we need a standard language by way of a data link connector in these vehicles OBD, mm-hmm. onboard diagnostics, generation yep. one, of course, we're not yep. at two, where all technicians can have a common language. 
Because prior to that, Honda said this, Toyota said this. They were all different. They hid yeah. this, the computer flashed this under the seat, you know. So I love the fact that with your clients, you're able to really get to, to digest so that they can work on the things they need to work on and not get caught up in this. That was uh, a very good analogy, Frank. Like I'm that? so proud yeah. of you. Dave, was that a good yeah. analogy? <laughs> did pretty good on that one. It, it was a perfect analogy. I mean, that's what, well, that's what it, look, communication. Listen, I have a 13-year-old. I've been trying to work on this every day. Communication's key. Uh, no matter how technical we can get, we can always bring it back to basics. Speaking yeah, of we, basics. The way, the way we describe that is communicate first, comp, uh, collaborate, and then comprehend what it is that you have. Yeah, three and I think C's. sometimes, yeah, That's the three good, C's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the baby boomer demographic. Um, can I dive in? Because a lot of our listeners are, you know, younger millennials. They're brilliant. They're talented. Uh, they come into new positions, and sometimes they get frustrated because... Um, uh, those of us from the 80s, the 70s, and 60s, what have you, um, we we kind of we kind of communicated differently. Like we whipped out spreadsheets. We got short of a whiteboard. We just drew everything, <laughs> and uh, that was a tough way to go. Where did we fall short? You think uh, prior to uh, the Spinfire Enterprise softwares and things like that that Actify has? Where did we fall short with that uh, traditionally? What made it really bulky for us there? Uh- the sharing of that information? Yeah, sharing. And then, and you know, if GM said, hey, listen, this is the wheel we want, how were we doing it prior that may not have been as effective? Well, today what you have in a lot of these CAD models that are created is information beyond just the description of what it looks like. Uh, you know, geometrically. You have a lot of information in there that would be useful, for instance, if they were going to use additive manufacturing in, you know, producing those wheels. I don't know of anybody that's doing that, but that would just be one example, the kind of information that's in there. The other kind of thing that you need is um, there's information about uh, uh, tolerances, material, uh, you know, things that are important in the manufacturing process that don't necessarily appear visually. Um, you know, that information is now, uh, that didn't used to be included in the models. That is in the models now. And so the communication is a lot more complete than what it used to be. But for years, what happened is, is that uh, these systems uh, that were used on the design side of things were so inherently complex that you couldn't get, uh, you know, the description of the same shape in two different systems to be equivalent. Wow. And, and when you talk about tolerances and communication, that would be a problem. I think that hits it on the button on how, you know, that, that, may, that definitely poses a problem uh, where now we can have everything exactly done to a T. The recipe is exact along all channels of that supply chain. Uh, and, and so program managers can keep their hair. <laughs> I mean, that's how I look at it. Let's get real uh, with it. Uh, it's a stressful position. Um, where do you see, let's talk about these electric vehicles globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do see an uptick, of course, China subsidizing uh, for years, and they're leading the way, uh, totally trying to get off of the ice. Where do you see, are we, we way off on a target uh, as presented by the federal government for electric vehicles to the consumer? Do you think consumers are still reluctant? What are you hearing in the industry you know, is this a soft landing, as the government would say, a hard landing? I mean, are people embracing it? What are you hearing? 
Well, first of all, I, the, the complexity of, you know, of what I'll call the ecosystem, right? So everything from charging stations to, you know, battery production to reprovisioning, I mean, you know, all the implications of that, there, that's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. Uh, what I would say about adoption of EVs is we were ta- uh, we referred to that earlier. We took when we were talking about Norway, and I forget who it was, Susie, maybe that was talking about. You know, different countries have established different standards for when they expect to go all electric. Uh, that is not going to. I don't see that backing off one bit. This train has left the station. The you know switch is happening. Uh, ICE vehicles are going to be around for a long time. It's going to help the aftermarket industry stay healthy. Um, but, uh, you know, over time, we're just going to see more and more, the, more of those get, uh, you know, sold. I'm probably a great example. Uh, in February, I took delivery on a three-quarter ton GMC diesel, uh, and the next car my wife's going to get is going to be an electric vehicle. Are you looking at the F-150 Lightning? No. Maybe? No. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, that, hey, that's that a Ford, hard no. Dave, I don't know if you're aware, but that Ford F-150 Lightning has a Tesla charging plug, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think, I think in certain circles... Uh, uh, there may be some pushback. Uh, there's some range anxiety. I just Wait, I want to know what what. Uh, what do you? Yeah, so I want to know. In. All right, we want to know, Dave. What are you? What's the next well, car? You, you know, you just mentioned range. Uh, I, I live in a very uh, uh, rural area of uh, of the western part of the United States. Uh, range is an issue for us, but I also just saw. I think it was a BMW that just went over 700 miles. Oh wow! On a single charge. So you know, if I was a young person from an engineering or technical discipline, I I've been around this uh, the whole manufacturing industry, this kind of stuff for 35 years, and I have never seen a period of innovation like the one that we're in now. Oh, it's incredible! Yeah. yeah, I this would be such an exciting industry to be in the automotive side of things. There's just so much happening in there with a autonomous driving, you know, the, the, the kind of sensor technology and stuff that's going on is just incredible, as well as manufacturing methods. Uh, it's just, and, they're, and they're producing great vehicles. You know, I'm absolutely in love with that truck I bought. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we, even though uh, I don't have the heated seats. Well, there's hold, a chip shortage for that. Hold, hold on to your horses there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the boom is amazing. I know that in the service space, we do see... Uh, you know, that new F-150 uh, ICE, uh, I should say, it's a 2021 model, 100 million lines of code. I mean, we are we are no longer mechanics, man. We are like controlled area network engineers in the back, you know, uh, and, 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 and thank you. Please call me that uh, because we are diagnosing and testing some pretty sophisticated systems where the mirror uh, on the left side uh, that has uh, radar has the camera system. If that goes out, perhaps that may possibly be on the fuel pump circuit, and that causes an extended crank. How do you explain that to a consumer? Uh, but it is a fascinating, fascinating time. Where do you see, Dave, uh, the supply chain? Um, I know that Actify is doing incredible work in, in streamlining. Where do you see the supply chain 10 years from now in terms of how we're going to do business? Uh, is it uh, obviously we'll get better? Uh, great companies like Actify out there, and and so on. If I can ask, are we going to change this beast dramatically in ten years? 
What's that look like? I think we will. Um, I can tell you why I think that more than I can tell you what I think it's going to look like when we get there. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the, the thing that always really just astonished me about this dynamic between the OEMs and the suppliers is the fact that the suppliers essentially were captive to, these, to the OEMs. You know, most of them, that's the only industry they're in. Some of them have substantial presence in places like medical devices and part of their business. But for the large part of them, that they deal entirely with the automotive industry. The entrance of new uh, electric vehicle manufacturers has, and the increase in the number of programs overall, has allowed the suppliers to start to think, you know, I can tell no to this guy because this company over here is a better opportunity for me. They didn't have a lot of those you know, chances before. I think that's going to change the dynamic. You've already started to see some of that. So uh, there was uh, one of the, uh, I don't think I want to name names, but we all probably know who I'm talking about. There's one of the legacy OEMs that took the position when a lot of the uh, supply chain disruption uh, started really impacting people beyond just the chips and stuff. Uh, you know, those those le- that legacy suppliers or OEM said to its suppliers, uh, "Tough, you need to eat the increase in raw material. Wow, that's not on us." Yeah. There were other suppliers that uh, uh, had uh, you know seen the potential for you know that impacting them, and they started sourcing the material on their own on behalf of the supplier. So a more cooperative kind of relationship. Um, that hasn't been the rule generally, and so I think that's where we're going to see the dynamic change. What I hope that results in is a marketplace that's a lot more competitive, that allows the suppliers to you know, keep more of what it is that they earn when they do something on behalf of one of the OEMs, and that the OEMs you know, end up dropping the prices on the cars as a result of that. But It's a win-win across the board uh, when things mm-hmm. are dialed in that way. Uh, last question for you, Mr. Dave Hupsall. I want to know, 2035, you show up somewhere in Oregon, perhaps the outlying skirts of the Portland area, to one of your favorite car shows. Where's car culture going? What do you see car shows looking like 10 and 15 years down the road? Oh, man, it's been a while since I've been to a car show. Um, I think... I, th- I think that uh, what I would like to see, you know, in in the industry at that point is, uh, you know, I don't think I'd see much change. You know, introducing a new model, you know, to the marketplace is going to be an event that's going to happen like it, you know, like it always has. Uh, I don't see that changing a lot. I think people are going to be more interested in using the shows to. Uh, get familiar with vehicles that they wind up then ordering instead of, uh, you know, going to the lot. It's interesting to me that in Europe you do not find, you know, lots full of cars. They don't have dealer networks the same way that we do right. over here. And I think there's a better way, a better buyer experience out of that, and I think the car shows have a role to play there. Yeah, I think we're always going to tinker. However, we've got to be careful because those electric systems will <laughs> knock your socks off if you're not careful. Uh, Dave Opsall with uh, Actify.com. We appreciate you spending some time with us, kind of clearing the air. And thank you because the, at the end of the day, you're making, 
You're making us consumers, us uh, lowly automotive technicians in the service space, maybe get our parts quicker. <laughs> you were a part of that success, so we appreciate you stopping by Wrench Nation. Well, thanks for giving me a chance to share my thoughts with you guys. Appreciate it very much. Thank thanks, you. Dave. And again, you can catch Dave. Dave has uh, articles on uh, Forbes.com. Uh, he mentioned, uh, you know, we had to have fun with the whole car culture, where it's going to be. SEMA's dedicating. An EV, electric vehicle section. Did you know this, Mr. Greg? I Gregor? did not know that. Oh, they've got to How transition. How ahead of me on that information? Wow. Well, wow. You, you've been quietly. You just upstaged, Greg. No, but on, Greg, on the radio. there is an EV. <laughs> I got to look this up. I do uh, know EV was going to have a large presence, but I don't. I haven't read them on you know, how it's going to be organized or set up yet. Yeah. Um, the industry goes electric. SEMA uh, is all over that. I believe it. They have to be. And I, I see, here we go. Here's the hybrid. All the cousins show up. The in-laws show up, right? Cousins, EV, electric. You got the, that, that one in-law is gas. They all get together, and what do they do? EV conversions in the 57 Chevy. It's Ooh. happening. That already is happening. There's a gentleman what? in Colorado putting an EV set up in a 61 Volkswagen bus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is pretty impressive. Now, go back. You said that Ford and GM pulled out of SEMA? Ford, GM, and Honda. It's, Why? It, it, because it's the world we are transitioning into. Yeah. That's crazy. If I take my daughter, who wants that EMAC Mustang, she's a gearhead. She has no choice. She's my daughter. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, like, interested on the electric side. Okay. So if she sees all these big popping big daddy gas guzzlers... Are we meeting the demand for the demographic on the gotcha. audience? That's the question. Gotcha. That's the question. Now, I say get it done. However, leave NHRA alone. We need them blown, baby. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with our, don't mess with our, our top fuel dragsters. Uh. So, yeah, it's interesting. In fact, Ant Anstead uh, on TV, Motor Trend, Celebrity IOU, Joyride, so on. Back in 21, they unveiled a custom uh, plug-in hybrid-powered uh, electric car. Uh, it was a uh, turbocharged three-cylinder BMW engine that works as a generator for longer trips, whatever. But point is, it's here. It's happening. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, well, you're going to see that increase. We talk about it. If you own a gas vehicle, maybe you find a hole in your garage somewhere. Keep it. <laughs> so you boys are telling me that I can convert the 58 Chevy to an EV? I looked into it. Good. Now, as a business proposition, yeah, it would be tough for me personally. Maybe we slowly look at it as sort of a supplement, but that's a whole different beast. But sure. they do they do make electric kits. Yeah, conversion oh my kits. God. Conversion kits. You can do that. Really? So if you're really in love, I'm in love with that 59, <laughs> but you want to be green and clean and and tell everybody, uh, my carbon footprint is uh, looking good these very days. Little, very little. Yeah, but you I don't. Know what? <laughs> I wonder how the EV units would work on that vehicle due to the weight. Ah. Well, there's going to be some exchange, extra batteries. I, I mean, but I don't see you. I mean, you're not cross-country hoopdying with the, the old classic, I don't think. No, you can't. Not with the but classic plate. But you don't want to trailer queen it either. No, you don't. No. You want to show you up, enjoy it. You want to show up quietly <laughs> <laughs> at your local car show. But see, that's the other problem, though. Yeah. I've just spent the last 10 years putting big money in my hoopty, and it's gas guzzling, and I'm good with it, and it, it, it has a signature sound. It does. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I, I don't know. You have to have the sound. 
Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. 49, so, 49 uh, ch- Chop Merc. That's my all-time. That's your all-time. As soon as I get these straggly kids through college, <laughs> uh, I'll start spending some money. But that 49 Merc, I just cannot see that showing up. As an EV? Like people start, oh, we didn't see you coming. <laughs> I got a $100,000 flame that's job. That's why you need no. a, a fart-blowing uh, boombox. <laughs> I'm telling you. All right. Well, great show with you guys. Uh, we want to ask you, uh, please, for some help iTunes. Some of you listen on iTunes. We've been around for a while there, and of course we have other platforms. But we're being told by the gods and goddesses of Appleness that you must try and give us a good, bad, or ugly review. Help us with a review on iTunes, or however you found us. We'd appreciate that. Am I excluded? Uh, review Susie Socket <laughs> specifically, as well as Greg Ovis with G's Up. But yeah, give us your review, and as I tell you every week, you know, you want to have anyone on the show that's uh automotive rock star they don't have to be famous uh we just want to be able to share their story get on a wrenchnation.tv and share with us uh your contact we'd love to have an open mic for them great show guys thank you it was Absolutely. a good show as i tell you maniacs every week be safe hug each other and never forget to hug a mechanic How was this pure as a river